coming up on Lockdown Dodgers, a big win over the Giants. The Dodgers were ahead and then behind and then ahead again. Shout out to Mookie Betts. Shout out to Trace Thompson. Not so big shout out to the bullpen. We'll get into all that. And then we have a draft recap with Justin from Future Dodgers. So that's what's on tap. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. You are locked on Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. This is Locked On Dodgers, and you can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube simply by searching for. Locked on Dodgers. Make it easy on yourself and subscribe in all those places so you won't miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time listening and watching, I'm Ben Samperio and I usually have Snyder, but he'll be on a little bit later. And we are both lifelong Dodger fans that have spent time in the press box and in the locker room covering the Dodgers in a variety of ways or continuing to cover the Dodgers in a variety of ways. One of those ways being this podcast here. Uh, and that's what we talk about the Dodgers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Coming up, first segment, I'll talk about the game against the Giants, and then the last two segments will be a draft recap with Justin, the future Dodgers, along with Jeff, uh, our usual guy on Lockdown Dodgers. So that's what's coming up, and let's get right into it. The Dodgers. It was a frustrating game, or it was a great game, turned frustrating, turned great again. Uh, All in all, the Dodgers won, beating the Giants. But it was a tale of a few games. It was Mitch White pitching very, very well. The Dodgers offense doing well and taking advantage of some mistakes. And then the Dodgers bullpen faltering and the Giants taking advantage of that bullpen mistakes. Uh, And then it was the Dodgers reasserting their dominance and showing why they're one of the best teams and almost the best team in baseball. So let's talk about Mitch White first. And yeah, Mitch White last coming off. A tough uh, outing last time against the Cardinals. It was reported that he may have been tipping pitches, that the Dodgers looked at it, adjusted, whatever. They never really admitted to the fact they were tipping pitches, but that's what was reported or alluded to uh, on social media. But was right back to where he picked up, except that one start in St. Louis, pitching very well, going hitless for five innings. Ended up giving up a hit to start the six, and that's when he came out with 82 pitches. I do think he probably could have stayed in a little bit longer, and knowing what we know now with the way the bullpen handled the game after that, uh, maybe he should have stayed in a little bit longer. But all in all, Mitch White did his job. He continues to be a bright spot for the Dodgers in a temporary filler role and showing that you know he might be a guy in the future or at least a guy that can do exactly what he's been doing, which is fill in when they need him. So shout out to Mitch White. Uh, shout out to Caleb Ferguson. He made all the outs that he needed to make. He came in after uh, Mitch White gave up the hit and retired the, the side and then came in and got another out in the next inning. And that's when the trouble started. The trouble started with Phil Bickford. He gave up a home run to Evan Longoria, and then he gave up a walk, and then he gave up a base hit, and then his night was over facing just three batters. Alex Vesey comes in, doesn't do much better, 
And before you know it, the game that was once 5-0 was now 5-5 after Darren Ruff crushed a grand slam off of Alex Vesia pitch that was literally a fastball down the middle. There was uh, no way Darren Ruff was going to miss that pitch. And Vesia won, or Will Smith and Vesia wanted it high. Vesia did not throw it high, and it was deposited into the left field pavilion to tie the game. And then, uncharacteristically, Evan Phillips came in the next inning, and he struggled a little bit, maybe got hosed a little bit on a call to Jock Peterson, but uh, umpire was bad both sides, both ways. So there were some calls uh, maybe a little bit more in favor of the Dodgers, actually, than, than that, but ended up giving up a run, walking in a run with the bases loaded, and it was one of those like, wow, the Dodgers might lose this game. And uh, it's because they couldn't hold a five-run lead in with their bullpen in the last few innings. But uh, luckily, Gavin Lux, fresh off his sunburn, laying down in the beaches of Malibu, falling asleep apparently. Uh, he hits a double. Trace Thompson comes up with a big hit. He hits RBI triple. That ties the game. And then... Uh, later on, we know what happened. Mookie Betts hit a three-run home run to put the Dodgers ahead for good. Greg Kimball comes in and, and closes out the game. Mookie Betts ends the game with a nice diving play in right field. And, yeah, it was not fun for the bullpen specifically, mainly Bickford and, and Vesia more so than Phillips. Uh, but it was good to see the Dodgers have continued their fight and continue to play, you know, play to the whistle, quote unquote, uh, which is play till 27 outs. Wookie Betts mentioned that uh, in his postgame interview on ESPN, you know, the Dodgers know they have 27 outs to work with and, and they played through those 27 outs. So all in all, I think the real big takeaway is Phil Bickford uh, time. Phil Bickford's time is days are limited. Assuming Blake Trinan comes back, he threw, and he could be back, or no, he threw. Going to see how he feels, but, you know, he could be back in a few weeks uh, if everything goes well. Dustin May is going to start for, I believe, OKC and go three innings, and he will continue to go up one inning every time out and could come back in the middle of August. You got Andrew Heaney, who threw in Arizona and is working his way back, and then you got, you know, Walker Bueller has – Hasn't made it hasn't started his way of making hasn't started making his way back. Uh, but all in all, seems like he could come back in September if uh, things continue to progress the way that progress for him. So Phil Bickford, your your days may be limited, especially if the Dodgers go out and get someone at the deadline, whether that be a starter that pushes a starter to a relief role, or whether that's a reliever that pushes Bickford out. Uh, he's his ERA was already over five going into the game. Interestingly enough, he still has a strikeout rate that's up there above MLB average. He has a walk rate, which is below MLB average uh, in the good way. But he's been susceptible to the long ball and, and hasn't really been able to be the guy that he was for the Dodgers last year. So similar to Alex Vesia, uh, maybe not so bad. Vesia hasn't quite been the lights out dominant guy he was last year. Uh, he's been kind of middle of the pack with a couple of good stretches here and there. Uh, but yeah, he completely missed his spot and Darren Ruff hit that very far into the or it didn't go as far, but he hit it. it was, you knew off the bat it was gone. So concern for Bigford and Vesia a little bit, but realistically, they were in that they were in at that point of the game for a reason because they aren't the Dodgers' high leverage relievers necessarily. Uh, and 
you know, if they need to be, it's because other guys have pitched and they hadn't. So uh, Evan Phillips, I'm not worried about it. It wouldn't. I'm assuming it's going to be a blip on the radar and just one of those days where he just didn't quite have Maybe the days off through the month. Uh, but either way, shout out. You know, Trey Thompson continues to hit right-handed pitching well, uh, although he did have a, a hit off Rodon also, so that's against left-handed pitching. Uh, but he continues to shine in, in the roles that they put him in. And then Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Freddie Freeman with the big home run early on, Mookie Betts with the big home run later on, and then finishing the game with diving, so. Uh, it was a fun game. It was announced as the largest crowd at an MLB game this season. Uh, I know that they some some people mentioned that that was more than the All-Star game. I will say the reason it was more than the All-Star game is because a large chunk of the corner of left field reserve uh, was not paid attendance. It was media. Uh, they had to keep it open for the media for the auxiliary press box. I know that there was 3,000 media credentialed for all-star festivities. Um, I'm not sure entirely how much were there for the all-star game, but, you know, regardless of all that to say is that there was a lot of people at Dodger Stadium and there was a lot of people at Dodger Stadium earlier in the week as well. So that's what we're getting into, or that's all we're going to get into. We have Justin from Future Dodgers here to talk a draft recap. He got on with Jeff, and that's what's going to be coming up. So thank you all for listening to me. I'm going to hand it over to do you want to create a free job post in minutes and then reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people? Then you need to hit up LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team and helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. All you got to do is create the free job post, like I mentioned, add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. All right, Dodger fans, we promised you draft content and we deliver on what we promise. Uh, more than half the time, and so this is one of those times. I am here with Justin from Future Dodgers. Justin, thank you for hopping on with me to talk about the Dodgers draft this year. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. All right, now that the pleasantries are out of the way, uh, my first question, I have a thought on this, and uh, I kind of want to see if you agree with me. The Dodgers drafted eight shortstops and two catchers out of their uh, 19... 19 total picks. Uh, and I automatically saw people on social media, oh, they drafted a catcher with their first pick. That means Diego Cartaya is getting traded. Uh, they drafted a bunch of shortstops. That means they're not signing Trey Turner. And my impression is that this is almost the opposite and that basically drafting catchers and shortstop tells you the Dodgers aren't thinking about their big league team at all when they're drafting. They are drafting for value and middle of the field is the best value. What do you think? 
Well, you're absolutely right there. Um, teams don't draft with their major league needs in mind. Uh, teams that do probably aren't going to do as well. Yeah, good teams don't out. anyway. <laughs> yeah, smart teams are not drafting for their major league needs, um, except in like the rare, rare case, like for example, with Ben Joyce this year, if let's say, I don't know, like the Yankees, like one of the best contenders just has an, an abominably bad bullpen, terrible bullpen. They took Ben Joyce in the second round. That's kind of drafting for your major league needs, but it wouldn't be that bit of an issue. Of course, they didn't do that. The Angels took him. They had their own pitching needs, but still a good pick. Anyways, yeah, you're right. Catchers, shortstops, center fielders, those guys are middle of the field defensive players, and they can move down the defensive spectrum. If you draft a first baseman or a left fielder and, you know, they get a little slower with age or, you know, they put on some muscle and they don't move as well, they can't really – there isn't anywhere for them to go down in the defensive spectrum really besides DH. So you're taking those guys in the middle of the field and you, know, you, you hope they stay there because that's where they're most valuable, but they can move elsewhere, uh, especially, you know, guys in high school. And someone pointed this out in my mentions, uh, you know, the Dodgers on any given night start like four or five shortstops because Trey Turner is a shortstop. Gavin Lutz came up with a shortstop. Chris Taylor, you know, came up as a shortstop. Justin Turner came up in the minor leads and in the big leads as a shortstop. So all these guys who come up through the minors as shortstops, maybe they move off in the minors, maybe they move off in the majors, doesn't mean anything, especially not with regard to Trey Turner specifically. So with that said, drafting eight shortstops is still an interesting choice when you only have six minor league affiliates and all six of those currently have guys playing shortstop. And so uh, what are your thoughts on these guys? I, I would assume you know, it's and maybe with only a 20 round draft, maybe it's not as often that you don't sign all your picks. Or, I mean, you probably won't sign everybody, but are any of these eight shortstops that they pick unlikely to sign? And it and then the second part of that question is, which ones would you see likely to be playing somewhere other than shortstop when they start playing in the Dodgers organization? So I think, you know, let's just start with the back half, the last four all on day three. Uh, three high school shortstops and one junior college shortstop. Uh, I think all those guys are a risk not to sign because they're all under the age of 21. Three of them, you know, have college commitments that they can go to and, you know, go into the draft in two or three years and try to make more money get a higher draft spot. So I don't think any of those four in the back half uh, are guarantees. And then Christopher Campos, who was their seventh round pick, he's listed as a shortstop. He also pitched uh, – from everyone that I've talked to about him, uh, it's he should be a pitcher, you know, in the minor leagues. The Dodgers uh, don't actually have a history, though, of drafting a position player from St. Mary's and turning him into a pitcher, do they? No, no, <laughs> no, no one's coming to mind. Um, actually, there's there's one guy. Uh, huh. Tony Gonsolin, for those of you who aren't aware, that's a Gonsolin was a position player. He, he did a little pitching in college and uh, made the All Star team as a pitcher this year. Yeah, he was drafted as a pitcher, though. Um, so he was officially drafted as a pitcher. I don't know if they'll ch it'll change for Campos if and when he starts pitching, but everything I've heard about him has been on the pitching side, and it's exciting stuff. Um, and so he would be their first pitcher drafted if he was, but who knows? Maybe he gets time at both places and they get a little two-way action. That would be fun. Uh, that seems like we did have a couple guys drafted, not by the Dodgers, but by other teams who were officially designated as two-way players. And, uh, you know, there's always been guys. I know James Loney was – a lot of people thought he might be a, a pitcher. Uh, Dodgers drafted him as a, as a hitter. 
uh, you know, you always have some of those guys. And then you also have some guys like uh, Kenley Jansen or, or Pedro Baez or uh, Sean Doolittle who come into an organization as a position player and turns out they can't hit, so they end up pitchers anyway. So uh, who knows what's going to happen with, with the, those guys. What's your uh, their first pick, which wasn't until the 40th pick overall, uh, thanks to spending a lot of money. And, and uh, I guess that was just thanks to spending a lot of money. Freddie Freeman was the reason that they didn't draft second until 105th. Uh, Dalton Rushing, a catcher from Louisville, another uh, situation that they've had some success in the past. That's uh, Will Smith's uh, alma mater and position. And uh, Dalton Rushing, did you have him on your board, guys you were excited about? And what are your thoughts on him? I did. I did have him on my my big board for the Dodgers' 40th pick. Uh, not super high, so not the guy I would have taken, but I'm not in charge for a reason, so there's that. Uh, I, I think you know he presents a very typical Dodgers offensive profile. It's power and patience uh, from a premium defensive position. So he's going to hit the ball really hard. His exit velocities are strong. Um, you know, he's super patient, walks a ton, doesn't chase a lot out of the zone. Uh, but this sounds like a lot of guys who the Dodgers typically roll out in their lineup and they like to, you know, sign and draft. That's because it is. So he fits that offensively. Defensively, um, you know, I think most people assume that the electronic strike zone is coming at some point. Doesn't seem like next year, but at some point, uh, he's a guy who's probably helped by that. You know, him being able to stay behind the plate, probably a little more likely, uh, you know, if and when that happens. But I know Billy Gasparino said that they they view him as a catcher and he might get some time at first base where he played a little bit this year at Louisville. But uh, they see him as a catcher and, you know, just adds to a really strong group of catchers in the minor leagues led by, of course, Diego Tartaya. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, their second pick, their first of eight shortstops, was Alex Freeland uh, out of Central Florida, I believe. Um, he's young for a college draftee, right? He is. So he's a draft-eligible sophomore. If he were born about 10 days later, he wouldn't even be eligible. Um, and if this draft were in June, like it had been for you know the past few decades, instead of over the All-Star weekend in July, he wouldn't have been eligible either because the eligibility rules, it's, uh, you know, three years of college, junior college players, high school players, or college players uh, who will turn 21 within 45 days of the draft. And he turns 21 uh, in about a month. So, you know, just old enough. Uh, he was a very highly regarded prep player two years ago in the 2020 draft, uh, ultimately went to school, hasn't had like a huge season or anything either year, um, but in decent tools, um, solid hit tool. I think, you know, someone who's still growing into his power. He has the frame for power. He's six foot two. So I think, you know, potentially coming into the Dodgers organization, one thing they've been good at is kind of getting guys to reach more of their raw power and get it into in-game power. Uh, and that's really, I think, if they can do that for him, he'll be a pretty exciting offensive player in the middle of the field. Awesome. Uh, is there any particular, like, so you mentioned the, the raw power that maybe will tap into that. Is he kind of fit that mold of a, a toolsy guy who the Dodgers organization think they can kind of get the most out of? Is that that's where you're thinking here? Um, I'm not. There are other guys who I'd probably put that label on in this draft. Maybe not him. He's a guy who, like, if everything turns out well, he's above average hitter, above average power, but not elite in both, if that makes sense. Okay. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, on all your favorite sports and events, and then 
at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the on, top online research for your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. So head to the website today on your laptop and mobile device, learn more about the action, and learn about everything happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, who are some of those other guys who you think? Oh, this is def- this is a Dodgers pick. This is a guy the Dodgers think they can they can turn into something. I'd probably be Chris Newell, uh, who was their 13th rounder out of Virginia. He was another really really highly regarded prep player, more so than Freeland three years ago. Um, I think you know if you look at draft boards, and I I haven't looked at them specifically, but just from memory, back in 2019, he was a, a top 100 prospect as a high school player. Uh, on most boards or top 150, whatever it is. Um, and he should have had a lot of money. He chose to go to school, had a huge freshman year. I think he hit like 400 at Virginia. Uh, has not had the same success in his last two years. Um, he struggled a lot, swings and misses. But the upside is a five-tool center field there. Whether he eventually becomes that, who knows? There's a reason he went in the 13th round and not the third or the second or the first. But an exciting player with a lot of upside there in the 13th round. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that definitely does fit their mold of uh, he's had success and uh, maybe buying low on him and uh, and see, you know, really a no risk draft pick. It, when, once you're that low in the draft, you anything you get kind of is a bonus. Um, they drafted a couple guys with uh, familiar last names. Uh, Kyle Nevin, the son of Angels current manager, Phil Nevin. And Jared Karos, the son of great hair haver Eric Karos. Uh, either of those guys excite you? I think so. Kyle Nevin sits for outfielder, you know, some decent power, obviously, is a big guy. Uh, he's from Baylor. He wasn't a transfer to Oklahoma, or at least he was set to. But uh, from what I've seen, it appears he's planning to sign. So he'll be in the organization. And then Jared Karos, pretty exciting arm, I think. Uh, he has missed, you know, the last season and a half with a back injury but a guy who might have been UCLA's Friday night starter, which is the college equivalent of the ace uh, equivalent of a game one starter because the weekend series are typically the big series in college. And big guys, six foot seven, uh, the metrics on his fastball are pretty good. Um, not premium velocity, but you know, still some projectability there. He's pretty lanky. Uh, and he's a big guy. So can definitely add some muscle, add some velocity, I think, you know, in the Dodgers system and maybe turn out to be a fun arm. Yeah, Karras is one. When I heard about the pick and kind of read a little bit, bit about him, he's one that jumped out to me as, oh, there's a guy who could benefit from the Dodgers system because the Dodgers do have a history of of drafting guys. And then suddenly three months later, you see him throwing and they're throwing four miles an hour harder than they had been. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And his biggest thing is health. You know, once he gets back onto the field, I think, you know, start building him up in the weight room and see what happens. Awesome. Uh Anybody else in this draft like excite you that or, you know somebody you thought oh yeah I was there anybody who when they were picked you thought that's who I hope they would pick with that pick There was one there was one guy where that's the pick I would have made at that slot uh Jacob Meter their 12th round pick uh, out of Dallas Baptist he fits you know kind of these you know, modern trends for smaller pitchers, really low release rate. Uh, it's a, you know, low to mid-90s fastball with plus vertical movement. He's got a breaking ball. Uh, exciting arm, I think. If he had been taken, you know, I think he should have gone on day two for sure. If a team had taken him in like the fourth or fifth round, 
I wouldn't have batted an eye, but if he falls to the 12th, then great pick, I think. Huh. So by the time it came around to their pick with the 12th, he was like standing out to you as, okay, you, now you got to take this guy now. Yeah, well, I, I tweeted out uh, a list of college players at the end of day two that I thought, like, these are going to be, these should be the top targets. Uh, and he was, he was right at the top. Like, for me, it was him and one other guy who I was like, these guys should go in the next round. Uh, ultimately, he fell a full two rounds at the end of the 12th round, and the Dodgers got him. Awesome. Uh, the other catcher the Dodgers drafted, Simon Reed, in the 10th round. Uh, anything to be excited about with him? Um, I haven't heard a whole lot on him, honestly. Um, Westmont College guy, so the Dodgers have a couple Westmont guys in their player dev system. Uh, so I know I think they have a relationship with him. I know he's worked out a driveline a little bit. So I know there are some definitely Dodger connections there. Uh, I think the interesting thing is he's not a senior. He's a junior. So typically ninth and 10th round, those are senior spots where you take guys who will sign, you know, under slot. And so you can get some more money for the rest of your draft class. Uh, but he's a junior. He's 21. So I think that to me beats on, you know, that might be, you know, decently talented more so than like the average 10th round pick. Uh, and of course, that's not what every team does, but that is a pretty regular practice. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned slot value, the, you know, kind of a, a quick primer on that, that uh, basically every pick is assigned a slot value. You add those up and that's how much money a team has to spend on the draft. Uh, kind of. <laughs> they can go 5% over that without penalties. And that doesn't include anything under what is 125,000? So that the 125,000 number applies to rounds 11 through 20. Okay. So, so the slots just are for the first 10 rounds. Yeah. First 10 rounds, you add up those, that's the bonus pool. And then for all the other picks and for undrafted free agents, anything below $125,000 does not count towards the slot. Anything over, it's just the difference between that and 125,000. So if a guy signs for okay. 150, that's 25,000 towards the slot. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the Dodgers, because you know they had their first pick drop by ten spots because they were so far over the luxury tax, they had their second pick they didn't get because of signing Freddie Freeman. They didn't get their compensation pick for losing Corey Seager because of signing Freddie Freeman. All that adds up to the Dodgers had uh, not very many draft picks and low in each round because they had the second best record in baseball last year which means the Dodgers ended up with the smallest total uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for bonus pool bonus pool uh of anybody in baseball right yeah yeah the smallest bonus pool by far and so they probably are looking for guys some guys to go under slot so that they can maybe go over slot with some other guys anybody jump out at you as a likely under slot guy um, I, I would think Dalton rushing would be maybe a little under slop and not substantially. So, um, looking at what they did last year when they were in a similar situation, they didn't have a second round pick uh, after signing Trevor Bauer. Uh, they did pick 29th instead of 40th. So they had a little more money to play with, but they took Maddox Bruns. Uh, they signed him under slot and then they used some of that money, uh, to get Peter Hugh back in the third round and Nick Castrini in the fourth round. Both of those guys signed for over slot. So I would think rushing or you know if they had taken a different college player there probably just a little bit under slot uh nick bittison uh virginia tech uh, i think he turns 22 in the near future so a little bit of an older guy might be under slot 
Um, Brandon Neat, their ninth round pick, uh, is a senior, so he might be under slot as well. Uh, those are the guys I think off the bat that I think might be a little or maybe more under slot. And is there anybody who jumps out at you as a guy they might need those under slot guys for because they might have to go pay, pay a little extra to get this guy to sign? Yeah, so we talked about um, Alex Freeland, who's a draft eligible sophomore. So, um, you, I think this was a little bit higher than he was, you know, ranked by most publications. So maybe not, but he has decent amount of leverage having, you know, two full years left of college. So he can go, um, he might, he might be uh, an over slot guy. And then Logan Wagner, uh, their sixth round pick, uh, their only prep player in the first 10 rounds. Um, he's a high school shortstop from South Carolina, committed to Louisville uh, based on his, um, his social media. It looks like he's planning to sign but I would expect that uh, that would be an overslot bonus as well. Okay. So uh, kind of looking at the big picture, last year the Dodgers drafted almost exclusively pitchers. I think, what, everybody except one was a pitcher last year? Uh, I'll accept for two, but they only signed one of those hitters. Okay. Uh, and then this year they only took four pitchers, uh, five if you if you count uh, the – Christopher Campos, who you expect to or think might be a pitcher in addition to being a shortstop, uh, but four out of 19 picks. Do you think that says anything other than uh, the guy we liked most when our time to pick came what, didn't happen to be a pitcher, or is it some sort of kind of – are they balancing because they took so many pitchers last year? Um, not necessarily. I don't think it has anything to do with that. Um, I do think it's interesting, though uh, – you know, you mentioned last year, really pitcher heavy draft. Uh, the year before, uh, only six picks, but four of them were pitchers, and the first three were pitchers. Uh, they haven't really had this kind of draft infusion of position player talent, especially college position player talent. You know, in the first five or six or seven rounds, uh, really the entire time under Billy Gasparino. So I think this will be fun to see how they develop this class because. If you look at the Dodgers' top offensive prospects, the majority of them are international guys. Uh, you know, it's Michael Bush, Jacob Amaya, James Eltman, and then a bunch of international guys at like the top of the Dodgers' system for offense. So I do think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they develop these guys because they've done pretty well with the pitchers in the last two classes, at least so far. So I, I think it'll be fun for me, fun for fans who like following the system to see, you know, how this class as a whole and the guys within it are developed. Yeah, and like we talked about at the beginning, drafting all these shortstops, you can you could draft a team of shortstops and then just you know drop them at shortstop and let them bounce like you're breaking a, a game of pool and okay wherever you landed that's where you're playing and if you're a shortstop you can probably play left field or you know second base or third base or wherever we need you uh, and so it will be interesting to see how all of these shake out over the next couple of years as they as they develop through the system. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there are some guys who I think, you know, even within the next couple of years aren't going to be playing much shortstop, but we'll have to see. We'll see what happens once they get into the system, if they get into the system and uh, start playing some real games. Awesome. Uh, I think that's all the questions I have. Are there any questions that a smarter interviewer would have asked you? A smarter interviewer? Um, or better looking, either way, whichever you, you want to go. I don't know if I've ever had one of those. Um, Good answer. I like this guy. <laughs> um. No, you know, I, I think we covered everything. Uh, one thing I'll, I will add is uh, they did take quite a few prep players at the end of day three. 
I'm interested to see which of them sign, how many of them sign. Uh, I know one, Peyton Martin, who is a right-handed pitcher uh, from North Carolina, was committed to East Carolina. He was going to be a two-way player in college. He was drafted as a pitcher. It looks like he will be a pitcher in the system. Uh, they haven't really had many like day three prep arms uh, come into their system. The last one that I was able to find was uh, Braylon Jones, uh, who was drafted in the 29th round in 2019. But typically, the prep arms that they have taken have been either top five rounds or right at the start of day three, round 11, which is when a lot of top prep players who didn't go in the first two days end up going. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens with him because they just haven't taken any one of that demographic in that range of the draft really in some time. Yeah, that is interesting. As a as a high school player getting drafted that low, you got to really, really feel like the organization is committed to your success to make it worth signing instead of instead of going to college and, and kind of bumping up your draft stock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think that'll be an interesting one to follow with any of the other high school players. Um, Nicholas Perez, who's committed to Florida State. Cameron Decker, who's committed to Central Florida. And Carter McCulley, who's committed to Pensacola State College. Uh, if any of those guys sign, they're all listed as shortstops. Um, again, it'll be interesting because the Dodgers just haven't really signed any prep players in that range. Not, not just arms, but prep players in general in that range in a while. Awesome. Well, Justin, it is always fun talking with you. I appreciate having someone who spends as much time understanding this stuff so that I don't have to, so I can just ask questions and, and learn from you because uh, that's a lot easier than doing all the work that you're doing. I appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, man. All right, I want yeah. to thank Justin from Future Dodgers for hopping on with us as he has done, I believe, the last three years, maybe the last four years. Uh, he brings the insight that we quite don't have with draft coverage. So thank you to him. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first lesson of the day every day. We'll be back on Monday to go over the Giants series, the rest of the Giants series, and hopefully talk about a four-game sweep. Uh, if you need something else to listen to after us, you can check out Lockdown MLB Prospects with host Lindsey Crosby. He's a prospect encyclopedia going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. You can call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text at 323-863-5625, or you can send us an email, LockdownDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Search my advice by podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.